Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are Fight Night Under the Lights in Vegas, preview of UFC 266, USA versus Europe, who brings home this year's Ryder Cup. We are down to 12 in the NASCAR playoffs. Happy Valley Under the Lights lives up to the hype. The Fire Brigade recaps last week's games and gives you their prediction for Week 4's biggest games. With that, I give you our chief of our Fire Brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a Wednesday, rainy Wednesday night in Delaware, Ohio. We're back in the studio, just the three amigos tonight, me and Colton and Matt. So, like Colton said, uh, we're going to get started with UFC. But before we do that, I want to kick it back to Colton real quick. Uh, he wants to give a quick shout-out to a friend of the show. Yeah, so we got a uh, another listener uh, of the show that uh, is putting out some putting out some music, um, and uh, young young kid uh, in his in his teens putting out some some rap music. Um, a guy, a kid by the name of Cooper Titus. Um, he goes by Hayes the Kid, um, and he has uh, got his first first album out there. Um, you can listen to it on SoundCloud. Um, it's called Bad, Bad Decisions. There's about thirteen different different tracks on there, so. Go give him, go give him a listen. You know, listen to his stuff. Uh, like I said, you can find it on on SoundCloud. But we'll post it. You know, on our social media when we put out. You know, put out our stuff. We'll you know put the links and stuff to where you can find it. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully you enjoy it. His dad, uh, his dad and I were firefighters together in Marion, and then uh, his dad moved on to Columbus Fire. But him and his his dad and I play music together, and Cooper's following in his dad's footsteps. So. He wrote this whole album himself, so it's yeah, uh, pretty impressive for, for yeah, a fifteen-year-old kid. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's get into UFC um, two sixty-six. Like Colton said, this weekend in Vegas, two of these bouts are um, title bouts: the, the men's featherweight and the women's flyweight. Which I had to look it up; I wasn't sure. Featherweight um, for men is one thirty-five, and uh, flyweight for women is one hundred six. So we got the number one. Uh, the belt the belt holder right now Volkanovski um, versus uh, Ortega he's number three uh, 22 and one record versus a 15 and one record Colton I know it's something that you follow kind of on a regular basis so give me your thoughts on that first title bout yeah I think uh, you know this this is kind of one of those things will this will this fight kind of live up to the hype um, I don't know if you guys remember or, or saw this when you were doing you know your research but this this fight was actually originally scheduled to be done in March um, at UFC 260 um, but unfortunately uh, Vol- Volkanovsky uh, tested positive for COVID-19 and so they had to kind of you know delay the fight or you know call it off um, so this is kind of you know, been a fight that's that's been you know uh, long, you know, six months or so in the in the making, and uh, you know, will will it live up to you know the the long awaited fight? Um, and, it, and it's also kind of interesting because these two are actually coaches on the um, you know kind of the UFC reality show. Um, they're they're actually the two coaches that you know are trying to pick the next you know next greatest guys or you know next best guys and girls uh, in the UFC. So they they already have you know seen each other you know been you know recording against each other and, and things like that going against each other in in this uh you know reality show so they they're, they're seeing each other quite a bit um you know and this is actually uh Vol- Volkanovsky's uh second title defense um since uh since uh 20, 2019 going up against Max Holloway so he defeated Max Holloway 2019 so he's you know going to be defending this title against against Brian Ortega um, I, I think that this is definitely going to be, you know, an interesting fight. Uh, Vol- Volkanovski is 
pretty pretty good all around kind of guy. Um, you know, I, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, or, Ortega is going to really have to try to pick his pick his shots or you know take his take his chances when he when he can. Um, just because Volkanovski is pretty 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 solid at, at all you know all the things uh, ground game you know punching stand up. So you, you're going to have to definitely you know try to work up a, a certain angle and just kind of catch Volkanovski off off his game somewhere. So. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys got anything else. <clears throat> no, I think unless you got something on that title title bout, man. No, not not a whole lot. I just know that these fights are always kind of interesting when it's yeah. those two coaches pitted against each other. We've seen that a few times in the uh-huh. past, and they always turn out to be pretty good fights. Right. So I'm looking forward to another good fight out of this. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Like I said, a number one versus number three. So mm-hmm. um, uh, the other title bout, like I said, is the women's flyweight. Shevchenko, number one, uh, she's 21 and three versus the American Murphy. At, she's the number four ranked contender at, at 15 and four. Um, I don't know a lot about either one of these fighters. Colton, maybe you picked up something. Maybe you'd seen them fight before. Yeah, I've seen I've seen uh, Valentina Shevchenko fight one other time before. Um, she actually fought against another girl that's actually going to be on the maid card in uh, Jessica Andraj. And uh, I mean, she completely obliterated. I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, this, this girl, they call her the Russian assassin because she is, I mean, she's knockout and she's going to knock you out, you know, quick and, and get it over quick. Um, and she, she, you know, is coming into this one, uh, minus 1500 in Vegas. So like, wow. you're pretty much not going to win anything unless you're willing to bet some, some big money on, on her, but, Bet the bet the bet the dog to win the other right. So she's going up against you know Lauren Murphy. Um, You know I I don't I don't know that she's going to have much of a chance. Um, Really, the only competition that Shevchenko has had has been um, you know the the other probably best pound for pound fighter in Amanda Nunes. Um, So Shevchenko has actually lost twice to (laughs) to Amanda Nunes. So. You know, if Shevchenko can, you know, do well here, maybe we get a rematch of, of that and, you know, have a have a bloody battle there between, you know, two of the best fighters in, in the women's, you know, kind of division there. Um, and, and it's crazy because Shevchenko has actually had five title defenses in the past two years and, you know, has had no issues, you know, defending wow. her title. So, um, you know, I, I think. She's gonna, Does Nunez usually fight at that flyweight, or is she heavier? I, I think she. I think I think she's maybe the weight because I think there's only like two, maybe two or three weight classes in yeah. women's. There's not as many just because you know it's it's a little bit different for for women in the in the UFC. But I think uh, yeah, Nunez is in the I think the heavier weight class okay. for 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 women. So Shevchenko is actually you know having to step up or you know go up a you know a weight class to kind of you know compete with Nunez, um, but. You know, two 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 times she's fought her, and and two times it's it's been a good fight. She's given Nunez probably her best fights, but you know, just I mean, Nunez is just I mean, she's a she's whole a different animal. So, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think Shevchenko is going to have any any issues here. Um, you know, in, in this one, um, obviously Vegas, you know, they don't they don't like to lose money, so they they you know know what they're doing. Um, so. I think the the Russian assassin gets it gets it done. <clears throat> so it, was, it was interesting. I was looking at this a little bit. Uh, this, this Lauren Murphy, she's only got four losses on her career, and they are actually all by decision. So she's never been knocked out. So if, if that's uh, Shevchenko's game, I mean, there's a chance you know she may she may, she may, go, she may just go have a hard distance. chin. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. she's tough to knock out. Right. So uh, I mean, if she can go the distance, maybe she'll have a shot. Right. But, 
but seeing that she's lost four fights after going the distance, I don't know. Maybe she just doesn't get a lot of offense in. Right, right. I, I'm not real sure about her game, but mm -hmm. I, I found that interesting that yeah. all of her losses were just by decision. She's right, never been right. knocked out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think the other one on the card, even though it's not a title fight that maybe a lot of people are looking forward to, is Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Two guys who have been in the game for a long time. Uh, Diaz is 26 and 10, Lawler 28 and 14. So maybe guys that are fighting a little bit past their prime, but I think they always give a good show. And that's the men's welterweight, which is 155. So give me your thoughts on that, fellas. Yeah, I think uh, these these guys have, I mean, I wouldn't call it a, a storied history or a long history, um, but they, they last fought each other back in like 2004. Uh, so it's been a long time since these two have, you know, matched up in the, in the UFC, but you know, the last time they, they, they kind of matched up definitely was, you know, one, one for the ages. Obviously that was, you know, near 20 years ago. And, and, and these guys, you know, have taken a brutal beating and, you know, some punches since then. So it'd be interesting to see what, how, how it goes down. But, you know, like dad said, these two always put on, put on a pretty good show and, you know, are always, you know, going to give a hundred percent. So, I expect there to be some 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 blood at the at the end, you know, some bloody faces. Uh, so some real some real action going on in this one. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting fight. But it it seems like a lot of these fights of these these older guys versus each other don't seem to live up to the hype. You know, like you had Shamrock back there a few years ago when he went against the uh, the bad boy Tito Ortiz, and that that stuff never lived up to the hype. And you know, I, I just I don't know it, the, these fights when these guys are getting a little bit past their prime aren't as fun as they should be. I, Shamrock stayed headline. in a way too long. Yeah, he I mean, absolutely I, did. I don't know. He got his face beat in a, a ton there at the end of his career. Kind of, you know, kind of really, to me, kind of ruined his legacy a little bit because, you know, when he was in his prime, he was a bad man. But absolutely. Kind of tarnished that a little bit. But, you know, that's that's for each individual athlete to decide on their own. But All right. All right. Well, let's move on to a more gentlemanly sport. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Ryder Cup. You know, we got uh, USA versus the Europeans. USA's not fared well. We've lost eight of the last, or I'm sorry, uh, four of the last five and nine of the last 12. Mm -hmm. um, and we got six rookies on the card for the USA this year. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping for big things out of this, out of this USA team. Um, playing at Whistling Straits, you know, American soil up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, a, a par 72 course. So, uh, We'll, we'll see how – give me your thoughts. I know, Colton, you're kind of our resident golf expert, but uh, give me your thoughts on this. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be – you know, you, you talked about it. You know, Europe has, has dominated this as, as of recently, um, you know, but I think at the same time, you know, Vegas has USA currently as, as the favorite going into this, and it's interesting. The, the USA roster is actually made up of eight of the top ten um, – golfers in the world right now so got a lot of a lot of talent there on the on the usa you know side of things so definitely the, the talent is there maybe some of the experiences may be lacking a, a little bit um as there is uh six rookies on on the team playing for team usa compared to four rookies for team europe um you know, my, so, my question is can can team usa actually come together as a team there's right. just some infighting there just amongst themselves mm -hmm. which which could spell a little doom for a tournament like right. this and I mean, it's looking like, uh, you know, like dad said, you know, playing up in Wisconsin this late in the, you know, in the season, you don't know what kind of weather you're going to get, but it actually looks like it's going to be decent, you know, not particularly warm or not super warm, but it looks like it's going to be decent conditions um, for, for, you know, for golf, um, you know, not heavy rains, you know, winds don't look too, too bad. So I think it's going to be, you know, interesting for, um, you know, 
for for these two teams. Um, you know, and and I don't I don't know. I think yeah, USA definitely has I think the the talent, um, but I think Europe on the other hand has some of the experience that uh, you know that could be helpful in, in this kind of an environment. You know what I. I, I didn't look it up, but I'm assuming that there's going to be, you know, fans or there's going to be, you know, big crowds at this at this mm-hmm. event. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely going to be one of those things that, uh, you know, I, but, but at the same time, they're playing on USA soil with all the travel restrictions and things like that. How much you know support is Europe really going to have? Um, so it could be kind of a home field advantage or, you know, home home kind of, you know, advantage for Team USA. But, um, you know, I, I like Team USA. Uh Kind of the, the format, I guess, is uh, day one, they play four uh, foursome alternate shot matches. Then they also have four uh, four ball better shot matches. Um, so basically, because they only have, you know, they have 12 players on each roster. So the captains of each Team USA and Team Europe get to pick, you know, who, you know, who plays, you know, things like that. Um, they get to decide, you know, which which format they want in the morning, which format they want in the afternoon kind of thing. And because it's being played on, um, being played on team us, you know, at home team USA, the team USA captain gets to pick which one happens in the morning, which one happens in the, in the afternoon. So that same format happens day one and day two. And then day three is actually mono mono, you know, one golfer from team USA goes against one golfer from, from team Europe. Um, and it takes 28, 28 points to, uh, you know, take home, take home this, this cup. Um, so since team Europe controls the cup currently, actually team USA has to get 14 and a half points to win, to win the cup, take the cup home. And actually if, if Europe wants to win, they only have to take 14 points. They, they have a half a point difference than team USA to take this thing home. So since they're the reigning, the reigning champs. So, um, you know, and I, I was kind of looking, like you said, that, that, that Team USA is like a like an all-star cast of the top golfers in the world right now. The, their average um, uh, ranking is 8.9 versus Europe, which is almost 31. So, oh, you know, on, on paper, it looks like USA ought to run away with this thing. But, you know, we know that's not been the case in recent years. You know, and Europe's got John Rahm, who, you know, we all – I mean, he just kind of dominated the sport this year. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, you know, come on, USA, go red, white, and blue. All right, all right. So, if you're a captain, you know a guy like John Ron's probably going to win. Do you do you throw your worst golfer out there against him so you take some other yeah. some other I, matches? Yeah, or? I don't yeah. know the strategy. I, you know, he, yeah, he, definitely is a, a very strategic. When I, you know, this is always kind of a strategic thing. Right. Of, you know, who do you match up against? Who who plays well with who? Who you know plays well against who and things like that. So it's. It's definitely, yeah, a, a kind of a chess chess game that, that the captains have to kind of decide. Um, and, and, you know, it can get away from you, get away from you quickly. But right. at the same time, you can also make up distance pretty quickly. Even after day one, you you know, it's not like you're totally out of it. You're still, you know, right there in the hunt. Even if, you know, day one doesn't necessarily go as you want it to, you still got day two and three to, to, to make up, you know, a lot of ground. Yeah. So <clears throat> very good. All right. Well, that was fun. Haven't talked about golf in a while, so that was good to uh, bring that back into the format. Um, now we're going to move on to another sport. We kind of seems like we've kind of neglected, kind of waiting to see how the first round of the playoffs sh- would shake out. But that was NASCAR, and uh, you know we're through round one, and we had you know there was three races in round one. We had 
Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex, and, and Kyle Larson each won a, a race in the first round there. Um, so now we're moving on to round two. First weekend of round two is this weekend in Las Vegas with the South Point 400. Um, so, Matt, you're kind of our NASCAR guy. Tell me what you think about this format and, and uh, who do you like so far? Yeah, I, I think this format's definitely interesting. I, I don't know that the best guy always comes out with the championship, but uh, I mean, the first four guys that are essentially now eliminated after that first week is uh, Tyler Reddick, Eric Alamarola, Kurt Busch, and uh, Malik McDowell, which it, it, it actually makes a lot of sense that those are the first four because those four are the ones who barely got in anyway. Right, they yeah. got in just because they had a win. So, well, so maybe, you know, so maybe it now. has played out well to, yeah. to filter those guys out. Right, I, I right. do like how that's happened so far. Yeah. Um, and then there's like four guys on the bubble, uh, yep. Brad Kozlowski, uh, Joey Logano, Logano Christopher yeah, Bell, and Kevin four. Harvick. Yeah. If, if the playoffs were to end today, those yeah. would be the four that are eliminated. Yep. Right, so. Right. so Yeah, but looking at these next three races, uh, like I said, we got uh, Las Vegas, Talladega, and Charlotte Road Course. Uh, Vegas was won previously this year by Kyle Larson, so look look for another chance for him to pull off another win and mm. really extend his lead here. But yeah. I think he's on the pole too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I can imagine that's so. He's just been dominating dominating this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the next race in in this uh, round of things is uh, Brad Kesla- or Talladega, which Brad Keselowski actually won earlier, so that could be huge for him to get back into the thick of things. Right. So all it takes is one win, and you're vaulting yourself back up to the top of this. Talladega is the big track on the circuit. Yeah. You know, it's two and two third mile. Mm. Uh, I've been to that track. It's a monster. It's, it's a big track. Um, and then, like Matt said, the third race is it's it's Charlotte. Charlotte. It's, a, the road it's actually course, a road though, course. So it's, road it's, not, it's not the Charlotte Speedway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this year, uh, the people who have had the most success on, on the road course have been Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch, who both both won at other road courses. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be more their style. Yeah. Yeah. They, they like to race those type of races. So you know they, they can both vault themselves right back to the top of things. Uh, right. with, with a win there as well yeah okay. and, and after that charlotte race that will be the elimination race so then four more drivers will be you know we're at 12 right now so then you know after charlotte's over there'll be four more drivers that are eliminated we'll be down to, be down to you know down to the round of round of eight so yeah, i'll tell you it seems like uh the, the ford cars really need to do something i don't know if their their engine isn't living up to the hype or, or something but Ford hasn't been faring very well here so far. It's been the, the Chevys and the Toyotas that have mm-hmm. really been uh, leading things. So Ford, yeah. Ford's got to get their yeah, axe you know, gear I, here. Get their I know uh, Kozlowski was kind of your guy, Matt, going yeah. in. You liked him. And I, my guy's still in. I like Chase Elliott. I, you know, I remember watching his old man race, and uh, I think Chase is a little bit of a throwback to the old driver. So I kind of like his chances of uh, kind of rooting for him. So. We'll see how that goes. But Kyle Larson's just been dominant all year. He's yeah, gonna, if he really doesn't win this whole thing, it'll it, be a it, surprise. It'll kind of be a shame. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. It's, it's it's one of those things. I mean, we talked about it when we were talking about NASCAR throughout, you know, our shows or throughout the kind of regular season was, you know, the big question was it Kyle Larson versus the field kind of deal. Right. Like, you know. Kind of his he, championship to lose. Right, right. Uh, just because of how dominant he was in the regular system or regular season with, you know, so many wins and so many laps led and just, you know, overall points and things like that. So definitely it's it's his kind of championship to lose or his playoffs to lose. So we'll see how he handles that pressure, you know, because he's not a super – you know, not, not an old guy. I mean, he's only right. been around, you know, for, you know, for a few years. So when he was actually away from the sport for a couple of years from uh, off, off the, off the track incident. That right. Kind of lost his sponsorship. So. Yeah. So we'll see, you know, how he kind of handles the pressure, you know, going, going forward. So <clears throat> it be interesting to see. All right. Well, that was good. Um, good to hear some NASCAR talk again. We'll see how these playoffs shake out now. 
All right, next on the slate is our recap of the, our five games of the week from last week. Um, had some good ball games, close ball games, uh, some upsets on there, and I'm, I'm glad I picked a couple of them. I was three yards away from going 5-0 and last week. Virginia Tech got down a first and goal from the three and couldn't punch it in, or I went 5-0, and but that's all right. Four and one, I'll take that any day. But So let's go ahead and start with that Virginia Tech-West Virginia game. West Virginia came out on top, twenty-seven to twenty-one. Uh, you know, I, I, tell me what you think. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of that game, but I did. I did flick through, was watching some of it. But uh, Colton, give me your thoughts on that on that game. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I think the big thing for me was in that game. Uh, three Virginia Tech drives stalled inside the West Virginia ten yard line, so you know, resulting obviously in zero points. They also went six of sixteen on third down and one for four on fourth down. So. Yeah. I think, you know, missed opportunity. Yeah. I think you, if you're Virginia tech, that that's the, that's what you're saying, you know, in the locker room or, you know, going forward, you know, we got to take advantage of those red zone opportunities, those big moments. Um, and, and, you know, obviously that was the loser because, you know, they got down to that three yard line, couldn't punch it, you know, had four shots to get in the end zone and, and couldn't, couldn't do it. So, for me, that that was the big the big. They take started away. so slow; they didn't even yeah. start playing ball till the second half. I was gonna like, say this was really said, a story man. of two halves. I mean, yeah. West Virginia came out and you know scored twenty four points in the first half, but uh, you know Virginia Tech's defense got back to their old uh, old selves in the second half, only allowing three points. So they just they they showed up, you know, too little, too late. Um, yeah. They turned know, West Virginia over two times too. I think that that helped keep it straight with their struggles in the red or keep it close with their struggles in the red zone there a little bit. And you definitely got to shout out West Virginia's D that who had six sacks on the day. That's, that's yeah. a heck of a number. Yeah. That's, that's uh, so I missed that one, but uh, um, one I did get uh, Arizona state who was 17 at or scored 17 versus BYU scored 27. Um, you know, that was uh, a game, you know, I said Herm Edwards had not fared well against uh, ranked teams and, you know, he kind of lived up to that. Unfortunately, I like Herm, but, He's not doesn't get his team ready for big games. It doesn't appear. Um, uh, the big thing to me was uh, Arizona State had 16 penalties for 121 yards, and BYU only had three for 25 yards. You know, and to me, you know that that's discipline. And Arizona State turned the ball over four times, so right. you're not going to win a lot of games. Uh, turning the ball over like that. So uh, tell me what you think of that game, Colton. Yeah, I think I think this game you could look at it and say that that Arizona State lost the game rather than BYU winning winning the game um, because yeah, just a lot of mental mental mistakes like you hinted at with the with the penalties and just the turnovers because you know with with four turnovers you would think that BYU would have scored you know forty points but you know they. Arizona State at one point was in this ball game, yeah. and they were still in this ball game at, at late, one, late, late. And late in the game, and and uh, you know just those mental mistakes kept creeping up, and they just you know shot themselves in the in the foot, um, and never could really get get over the get over the hump. But you know, shout out to BYU, they're you know undefeated. Um, they've beaten three straight Pac-12 teams, and they got two more on their schedule. They're you know. up to what, like fifteenth in the rankings? Yeah, I think they you know, moved up into the top fifteen. So you know. We, we could be talking about them, you know, or are they the best, you know, non-Power 5 team or, you mm -hmm. know, it's Cincinnati or, you know, it'll definitely be interesting this to is, see. It's really looking like it's going to be an interesting year for these yeah. non-Group of 5 guys. Yeah, if they yeah. can keep winning, you know, and obviously, you know, down the stretch, once they once they get into conference play, their schedule is not going to be as tough. They're getting probably tested more than some of these out-of-conference games. But, uh, 
yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, Cincinnati, I think, is for real. I think everybody, Luke Fickle's doing a great job down there in the Queen City. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see how, like, teams like BYU and that uh, non-Power 5 teams uh, come out, you know, at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's go to a game that I think kind of caught everybody by surprise. It did me, uh, Alabama versus Florida. Um, the spread was, like, 16 po- or 14 points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alabama won 31-29, and that was only because they, they stopped the two-point two-point conversion there at the end of the game, or it would have been a tie ball game. Well, and Florida missed an extra point early, early in, in the, the game. game. So, yeah. you know, if they if they make that extra point and then, you know, they don't, we're not even talking two-point conversion. We're, you know, talking they got to kick an extra point yeah. to send yeah. it to overtime. And this was a game where Florida actually outgained Alabama 440 yards to three, you know, by over 110 yards there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that one of the things that hurt, hurt Florida um, – was they were only four of twelve on third down conversion. So mm. even though they racked up a lot of yards, you know they had some drives get stalled when they weren't able to convert convert on third down. Um, Alabama just didn't act like they were in this game. They had eleven penalties, uh, which I think to me is unusual for a uh, for a uh, you know a, a disciplined team like Alabama normally is. Um, and that you know they squeaked by with a win, so Alabama you know retains that number one spot. But uh, it was it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, we could definitely be looking at this as a potential uh, SEC championship rematch down the road here. Is it Florida? Florida looked pretty good. Um, I actually called this one. I said uh, Alabama wasn't going to cover that spread. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I'm pretty excited to get that right. But uh, you know Florida's got to really work on their passing game. That yeah. uh, Emory Emory Jones uh, Emory Jones is just yeah. really really struggling passing the ball. I mean he did get almost 200 yards but no touchdowns. Yeah. And so I mean they really got to work on that passing game to to not be so one dimensional. Like they racked up a ton of rushing yards, uh, put put a what was it four touchdowns in the end zone on on the rush. But mm-hmm. they, they got to get their passing game going if they really want to be in the thick of things here at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think I think for me it was just. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the the spread being so big and and things like that, and it's crazy to think that this game was so close, considering that Alabama covered the spread in the first quarter. Um, you know, and I think I think what you're going to look at here is that Florida just got off to too slow of a start. They got off to you know a slow start, kind of you know wasn't able to really take advantage of some opportunities and and really move the ball down the field uh, early on in this game and just kind of maybe waited a little bit too long to to really start to show who they were and. You know, I know you talked about it last week, Dad. You know, the kind of dynamic or, you know, dual threat quarterbacks have always given Alabama fits. And, you know, you could say the same thing here in this game. You know, obviously, Emory Jones didn't do a whole lot with his arm, but I think he did just enough to keep that Alabama defense honest. But then also, you know, carried the ball uh, 19 times for 77 rushing yards. So, you know, I think it, it that definitely – there, there may be uh, kind of a, a, a chink in the armor. Maybe a recipe deal. to, you know, to, yeah, to get to an Alabama right. team. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, how many people in America or, you know, how many, you know, top teams right now have a, you know, kind of a dual threat quarterback. So if you're, you know, not one of those teams or, you know, you don't have that kind of in your offensive repertoire, I mean, what do you do to, you know, stop this Alabama, right. you know, kind of team? And, and, so, and, you know, and you got to have the right athlete. It's not like you can just go out and make a dual threat quarterback out of out of a kid that's not used to doing that. If he's right. a you know a drop back pack pocket passer, you're not gonna 
you know, miraculously turn him into a dual threat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, good, good running quarterbacks really all about feel. You, you got to have a feel for what, what's right. coming and, at and, you. And, you got to know, yeah. You and good have field pocket, vision. Yeah. Good, yeah. yeah no kind good, of pocket presence. Yeah. You feel know. the pressure coming and then have good, uh, good field vision, you know, but right. uh, not, not hold the ball too long and just know when the pockets getting ready to collapse, like when, you know, right. kind of, kind of shifty to get in and out of that pocket, you know, sure. with ease. So, but you know, Alabama gets gets the W. They you know have now beaten Florida five. I think, uh, or I think they've now won thirty two straight against SEC East opponents. Yeah, so yeah. Um, you know that's that's crazy to think that they have you know dominated their division that badly. So yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the Michigan State uh, Miami game. Um, wow, it wasn't even really a game. It's another one uh, I picked. Uh, Michigan State wound up winning 38 to 17. They turned Miami over four times, two picks and two fumbles. Uh, you know, Michigan State's playing good ball right now, fellas. They uh, yeah. they're up to I think 20th right in the ranking. So um, you know they could be a force in the Big Ten. We'll see how this plays out. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting there in the Big Ten East. I mean, it's loaded there with yeah. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. All you know, all, all right there. Um, you know, it's Definitely going to be going to be interesting there in the Big Ten East race, but this game I and I fell flat on my face. I mean, I picked <laughs> Miami to. I thought they would, you know, recover. I thought Derek King would, you know, make a recovery he, game. But you know, Michigan State, they're they're the real deal here. Um, you know, and if we ever pick a Miami game for the rest of this season, I am not picking Miami. I don't yeah. care who they're playing. Well, well, and if King actually gets healthy before yeah, this year, I don't think ends, he's been a hundred percent. He just yeah. doesn't look like the same kid. Well, and now they're officially sitting him for next week. Yeah. Yeah. So I, think, I just don't know. Like their their offensive line, man, just seems. I mean, they just the pockets collapsing. Like you know, no sooner he hikes the ball and he he's back there. I mean, the pocket just collapses. You know, sooner than he can say his last name. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, I, they just don't have much you know support up front. But you know, they they came into this game you know kind of dominating with the with the running attack, and they actually got outscored, outrushed, one hundred ninety three to fifty two yeah. in, in the rushing category. So. Michigan, State. say Michigan State's defense is back to that Michigan State defense mm-hmm. of old. They're looking really good. They had three solid. sacks, two INTs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can go a long way with this defense if they keep playing like that. I'd like it's... to have that Michigan State defense for your Buckeyes. Right right absolutely. There's a lot of Big Ten defenses I'd take over my Buckeyes. <laughs> the, uh, so, yeah, I think at this point you can say the U is definitely – not back. I mean, no. it's 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 a struggle. Have been a they struggle. Haven't, haven't had a chance to pull out that turnover chain much this year. Their other teams are turning them over way too much. Right. Um, so <laughs> it's uh you know back to the drawing board for for Miami. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know what the what the answer is um, because neither side of the ball is really setting the world on fire, and they got you know some issues on both sides of the ball. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hats off to Michigan State. You know, Mel Tucker in his second year um, is already. You know, got a possible you know contender there in the Big Ten East with, yeah. with Michigan State, and you know doing it, doing doing pretty well there. So, All right. well, the last game was the whiteout um, in uh, Happy Valley there, Penn State over Auburn, twenty-eight to twenty. Um, this game was statistically very close. Uh, t- you know, the teams looked. Sean Clifford played well. Uh, he went twenty-eight to thirty-two. The quarterback for uh, Penn State, two hundred eighty yards, two Ds. The the thing that bothered me about Penn State is they only rushed for 84 yards mm-hmm. um you know they're gonna have to do better than that I think when it gets to the Big Ten season they're gonna have to be able to run the ball a little better I don't think they're gonna be able to rely on Sean Clifford 
in every game against some of these defenses that he's going to see in the Big Ten. Um, you know, it, it was it was I think the spread was six, five and a half or six. So Penn State did cover their uh, you know they hold on to that sixth ranking. Um, Auburn drops out of the top twenty-five. So. Um, you know, tell me, Matt, you, did you get a chance to watch any of that game? Oh, I, I didn't. I, uh, but I kind of like the stats over on this thing and it looks like the road woes for the quarterback Bryce Nix of Auburn has really showed up again as he only threw for 185 yards, no touchdowns. So uh, I, I think, uh, Nix and Auburn just haven't been playing well on the road, not getting the job done. I, was, I gave their offense a little too much credit coming into this thing. I thought they were going to pull out a win, but just, you know, <laughs> their struggles continue on the road. Yeah, no, that, that atmosphere was electric. It, you know, it was good to see, you know, a, a, a whiteout, you know, at night under the lights in, in Happy Valley. Um, you know, I, I've got this one right, you know, and I, I think my analysis was, was pretty correct. You know, that the difference was, you know, Sean Clifford played a little bit better than, than Bo Nix and, and made some plays, yeah. you know, um, not only through the passing game, but also through through the running game a little bit as well. Um, and I think that was that was kind of the difference going into it. You know, and uh, it's it's kind of funny. There's a little bit of history here. You know, Penn State beats an SEC opponent at home for the first time since 1985. I, I read that. And then Auburn Auburn loses their 10th straight road game to a top 10 team uh, going back all the way to 2014. So, uh-huh. okay. you know, the, the road woes have been more than just, you know, uh, maybe this class now or, you know, here rec- of recent history. It goes back, you know several several years that you know Auburn has has kind of struggled against top teams you know on the on the road so okay. um you know we'll see they you know it doesn't get any easier because they got a brutal you know SEC schedule you always got to match up with Alabama no. um so you know they 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 got to you know figure it out and figure it out quick so yeah. all right well let's move on to our games of the week let's start uh that with the LSU at Mississippi State game um LSU has no run game whatsoever <laughs> They might as well just run an empty backfield and just throw on every down. And with that in mind, I think this is a game between these two offenses. You're probably going to see 100 passing attempts between the two teams. You're probably going to see them throw for 800 yards total. Um, You know, I I just – and I think, to me, I think Mississippi State's defense is just a little bit better than LSU's. So, even though LSU's a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, I got Mississippi State in the upset. Yeah, to me, I, I said this was a battle of the pretenders in the <laughs> SEC with both teams starting two and one, but they played what most would consider an easy schedule. LSU lost to UCLA in a close one week one. Mississippi State lost to Memphis in a close one week three. I, I think with the schedules they both played, I think LSU's shown a little more to this point, so I'm picking them in a close one, but it, it's not going to be a great game. Yeah, no, like, like Dad said, uh, you know, we, we talk about LSU not being able to run the ball, but Mississippi State can't either. They're yeah. averaging 45.3 rushing yards per game. So, yeah. I mean, they're not even averaging 50 yards a game for, through the through the run. And and it's actually crazy because on the flip side, both of these defenses are good at stopping the run. Uh, Mississippi State only gives up about 74 yards rushing per game, and LSU is just slightly over 100 yards rushing per game. So, like you said, it, it's going to be – uh, a 50 completion, you know, 50 uh, attempt, you know, for each quarterback there. Um, I, I, I'm here with Matt. I think LSU has a little bit more, you know, tested against UCLA, went on the road, didn't get the victory, but, you know, I think it's a little bit more tested than this the Mississippi State team. I, I think LSU, you know, it's, it's I think the spread is like two and a half two or three, half. three yep. points. Um, yep. So I think LSU gets it done. 
uh, it's going to be a, a real tight ball game. Okay. All right. Well, I'm the, I'm the lone Mississippi State guy in this one. So let's move on to UCLA at Stanford. Um, UCLA currently ranked 24th in the country. Um, they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Both these teams are two and one. Uh, Stanford has wins against Vanderbilt, um, a number 14 at the time, USC, and uh, Kansas State. Um, UCLA is also two and one. They lost their opener against Fresno, but then beat number 16 LSU and uh, demolished Hawaii in the last weekend. So um, they're at Stanford. You know, tell give me your guys' thoughts on this game. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we kind of look at this and, uh, you know, Stanford in that game against USC, you know, they they, they dominated. They, That's what they, got USC's coach fired. Yeah, right? um, but it, it's interesting, you know, Stanford um, has scored 40, 40 plus in their previous two games, and that's mostly through big big plays through through the run game. Um, I, unfortunately, I think UCLA does a really good job. You know, their front seven is only is only allowing two point three yards per carry. So, wow. I mean, they're they're doing a really really nice job uh, against the run. I like uh, you know I think USC or UCLA is definitely the complete package here. I think they have the better defense and the better offense. Uh, they'll get it, get it done, and, and beat Stanford. Yeah, I think we're seeing the the Chip Kelly offense of old. That offensive guru is back again in college football. You know, he went away for a couple of years to the NFL, didn't get it done, came back, and he's turned UCLA around. They're averaging 419 yards per game, 229 through the air, 190 on the ground. They're averaging 40 points a game. They're just they're racking up the offense. I, I think their offense will do enough to handle Stanford and pull out a win. Yep, I'm against you guys in this one too. Oh, I got, all right. <laughs> I got Stanford winning since they're playing at home. So okay, all right. I got I got Stanford in this game. Okay. Um, let's move on to number four Oklahoma versus West Virginia. Um, a game that maybe looks a little lopsided on paper, but you know West Virginia is kind of coming around. You know, obviously beat Virginia Tech last weekend. They got Letty Brown on track, running the ball a little better. Uh, to me, you know, Spencer Rattler's not living up to that preseason Heisman hype. To me, um, you know, I keep Just waiting. This, this for whole it. Oklahoma team maybe isn't living up to right. the, the preseason. Uh, you hype. know, Oklahoma's favored by seventeen. That's that's a huge, huge margin. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, Rattler's putting up decent numbers. He's seventy-four, ninety-nine, uh, seven TDs to, against two interceptions. I think Oklahoma gets it done. They're playing at Oklahoma. Yeah. But uh, I don't think they'll cover the 17-point spread. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, Oklahoma, I think, yeah, the, the preseason hype I think is you know, kind of diminished. And I think that spread is a little little big for a team that's barely beat Nebraska and, and Tulane. And Tulane. Um, I think that's, you know, saying something. There's obviously some kind of, you know, something wrong there in Oklahoma. And I think it's on the defensive side of the ball. It seems to be that this could be an Oklahoma – team of pass where they got to score 60 to, to be able to beat you kind of thing, unless they, you know, can, can get it figured out here. Um, I, I, I like Oklahoma to win this game. I, I think I would maybe feel a little bit different if what, if they were playing at West Virginia, sure. but playing at Oklahoma on the road, yeah. Oklahoma has won eight is eight. No, in this series since West Virginia joined the big 12. Um, so I like history here. I, I think Oklahoma gets it done, but, I don't think that they'll cover cover that spread. And we'll we'll complete the trifecta here. I also think Oklahoma gets it done, but doesn't cover the spread. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Um, let's see. 
Let's do uh, Texas A&M, seven, number seven team in the country right now, uh, going to Arkansas, number 16. Uh, Vegas has got this Texas and A&M, Texas A&M with a five and a half, given five and a half points. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I Who was Texas A&M? They played Kent State, Colorado, and New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, to me, they're a little untested. Yeah. Uh, ranked seventh in the country, which I think is pretty high. Yeah. Arkansas did beat a at the time a number fifteen Texas team in, um, in dominating fashion. Yeah, too. they're only giving up sixteen points a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, Texas A and M's only giving up five point seven yards a game, or points a game. But like I said, to me, they haven't really played anybody. I'm taking the dog in this one uh, going to Arkansas. I'm taking the Razorbacks. Yeah, it's actually going to be interesting. This game is actually going to be played at a neutral neutral site. Um, it's actually going to be played in AT&T Stadium. Um, yeah. And it's 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 kind of ironic because when I was looking up, you know, some kind of some stats about this game and stuff, uh, these two teams have actually played each other, not only, you know, played each other eight times, but they've actually played each other eight times in AT&T Stadium. Wow. And, and uh, you know, seven of those games were decided by seven points or less. So, you know, seven out of the eight have been very, very close games. And, for me, I think it's going to be another close game because both of these teams' defenses are dominating, are, yeah. are playing, you know, suffocating really? defense because Texas A&M has only allowed 232 total passing yards. Not 232 average over, you know, over their first three games, 232 total passing right. yards. So, wow. you know, and, and only about 80 yards a game. Yeah, wow. yeah, and, and, and have four interceptions and have given up zero touchdowns. On the flip side, you got Arkansas – they, they're allowing about 142 yard passing yards per game. So not a ton uh, of passing yardage in, in, a, in a day and age where passing is, you know, king, where, you know, everybody slings the pigskin around and stuff like that. Arkansas's got to clamp down on, 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 you know, the passing as well. Um, I, I like Texas A&M to, to get it done in this one, make maybe a few more, few less mistakes than, than Arkansas. Very, very close game. I don't even know if they'll cover, cover the spread in this one. Maybe maybe like a three three pointer, you know, two two three point you know ball game. But I like Texas A and M to come out on top. Yeah, I think this game's going to be a battle to see who's truly a contender in the SEC. I, I think if you look at A uh, and M's body of work so far, though, I think they're pretenders. They played a pretty easy schedule. They're only averaging twenty eight points a game. That offense just isn't getting the job done. Arkansas' schedule's been quite a bit better, and uh, they're averaging forty one points a game. So their offense is playing well. Their defense is playing well. Uh, like I said, Arkansas's defense has only given up uh, what was that stat we said earlier? It's uh, twenty some points a game or something like that. Yeah. So uh, I, I think uh, Arkansas takes this win. All right, very good. All right, the last game, which I think is uh, ESPN's, uh, where game day is going to be, uh, number twelve Notre Dame at number eighteen Wisconsin, uh, and Wisconsin's uh, favored by six and a half points, which I was kind of surprised. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, especially here's a kind of a glaring stat I thought that. Uh, the quarterback from Wisconsin has not thrown a TD pass all year. Mm. Um, I mean, that, that's probably not too, you know, crazy considering how Wisconsin wants right, to, you but know. But still. It's, it's yeah, a yeah. little bit startling. Um, right. Um, <laughs> you know, Notre Dame is, they're 3-0. and Wisconsin's 2-1. and But, um, you know, they Notre Dame's beat Purdue. They squeaked by Toledo by three points and then had to go to overtime to beat Florida State. So, uh you know, I, I guess um, Wisconsin's loss was to Penn State. You know, we all know Penn State's playing pretty good ball right now. Um, but 
I don't know that Wisconsin's defense has only given up 195 yards a game. This is going to be a close game, fellas. I don't, I'm, I'm surprised that Wisconsin's getting, you know, a favor by six and a half points. And uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame in the upset. All right. All right. Well, I, th- this game will also be played at a, at a neutral site. It's going to be in Chicago. They're playing at the Chicago Bears Stadium. Yep, yep. So, you know, they're going to be packing the fans in there. And, you know, with, with you know, Wisconsin being somewhat close to Chicago as well and, and Notre Dame not being too far from there, I feel it's going to be – it could be a pretty mixed, you know, mixed house. I don't think either team is really going to have the advantage yeah, when it comes to right. come, coming to, you know, when it comes to fans. Um, you know, I think both teams kind of kind of travel pretty pretty well with it being and especially being, you know, pretty close, but uh, you know, I think for me, I, I think it's going to be one of those things. Notre Dame, yeah, they're 3 and 0, but man, they've had some close calls so mm-hmm. far in that 3 and 0. Um, you know, they struggled against a Toledo team. They struggled against a Florida state team who hasn't won a game yet. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, I, I think, you know, Notre Dame has, has, has more struggles and I think Wisconsin can slow the tempo down um, in that Penn state game. They had 29 first downs and held the ball for almost 43 minutes. Um, so I think that they can control the clock, limit the opportunities that Notre Dame gets on offense I like this one to be a tight ball game. I, I'm taking the Badgers to win this one. All right, very good. Yeah, I, I think this game comes down to can Wisconsin's anemic offense get going? Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't done much this year. Their defense has held up. They've only given up 16 points to Penn State, seven to Eastern Michigan. Then they've already had a bye week, which is super early. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think uh, Wisconsin's offense can really do enough. I think Notre Dame's offense is averaging 33.3 points a game. is going to be the best offense they've played against all year. I'm I'm picking Notre Dame in this one. All right, All right. good job, Matt. Right. I'm the lone lone man I'm yeah. taking, you know, Badgy Badger there Don't here. So. Sticking with the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, uh, we're gonna we just got a couple of miscellaneous items we're gonna get to here at the end of the show. Matt, you got something for us? Yeah, I just wanted to talk a, for a little bit about the the Blue Jackets. They've extended their goalie Elvis Merce Lincoln. They gave him a five year, twenty seven million dollar contract through the 2026-2027 season. He's a 21, 21, 13 so far in his his young career. Got an average goals against a two and a half and a save percentage of ninety two percent. What I found interesting though is he's he's already vowed that he's going to win a Vesna Trophy because he wants to honor his his late teammate uh, Matisse Kivalenkis who passed away after taking a mortar shot from a firework uh, this Fourth of July, protecting him and some other people on the team from uh, from getting getting hit. So. You know, it would make for a great story if he'd really be able to pull off a Vesna trophy and, and make this contract worthwhile. But I, I think it's a great deal that they've signed with him, and I think he's got great things to come. Yeah, right. no, I think Elvis is staying in the building. Finally, a player is staying in right. Columbus, right, right, you know, right. and then that's, you know, exciting to see. So finally, you know, a, a, and a key piece that's been there, you know, for the last couple seasons, you know, after Bob Roski left, it was kind of who was going to take over, you know, who was going to take over in net after, you know, after yeah. he left and, you know, Elvis has stepped in there and done done a pretty pretty decent job. And hopefully, he can settle in now, knowing he doesn't have to, you know, fight for this job. And right. you know, he's got a settled contract for mm-hmm. the next few years. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he can settle in and you know protect that net force. Yeah, um, yeah. One other thing we wanted to get to uh, announce this week: fifteen year veteran uh, JJ Redick retired from the from the NBA. Um, he was uh, won all kinds of awards in college coming out of Duke. Uh, all-time score scoring leader at Duke, and that's pretty impressive with some of the other scorers we've seen come out of that program. But 
Colton, you want to give us a little bit what you got on JJ Reddick? Yeah, he's uh, you know one of he's always had a pretty special you know special place in my in my heart. You know when I was growing up, you know me being a big a big Duke basketball fan, that was kind of the the kid that you know I remember watching you know as a as a kid. Um, you know and just how exciting he was to watch, and you know was definitely one of those players that you either loved him or you hated him kind of deal. It was definitely a, kind of a Christian Leitner type vibe. You know everybody. When you were playing against him, you absolutely hated him. But, you know, when he was, you know, on your team and playing well, you know, you loved, you loved him. But, you know, just really made a niche for himself in the, in the NBA being that, you know, three-point, you know, specialist, really, you know, being able to knock the three ball down uh, consistently from the outside. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's good to see, you know, good to see him, you know, retiring. Um, you know, sounds like he, he is ready to be, be a dad is what, what he said. Um, you know, some, some of the comments that he, that he made when he was kind of announcing his retirement is that it, yeah, it's, it's time to time to be a dad, um, you know, and, and, and give, you know, time to focus on my, on my kids. And, and, you know, I lived the dream of playing in the NBA for, for 15 years. And now it's time to, to focus on, you know, being, being a dad, being the next, the next portion of my, of my life. Yeah, so, I hate to see he was never able to, to get the big one in the NBA, but he right. did have a, a great career for himself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like Colton said, he made a niche for a, for a kid. They questioned, was he going to be big enough to uh, be able to create shots for himself in the NBA? And obviously he proved that he could. What I always liked about him was the way he shot from the free throw line. You know, mm -hmm. the, he was lights out from the free, free throw line from the charity stripe there. So um, that was, I liked those basketball fundamentals. And uh, so, uh, Colton, you got one more uh, addition to us? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Matt Matt brought this up, but, uh, you know, we uh, actually just got some kind of breaking news, I guess, a little bit before the show started that, you know, um, Justin Fields is been named the starter this week uh, in Chicago with Andy Dalton, you know, being out with an injury, um, you know, so I'm, I'm finally, you know, I, I'm vindicated, you know, here and, and, and because I've been calling for Justin Fields to start from the very beginning. And so I hope that he gets, he, you know, he's going up against the Browns, you know, who has a, a terrific defense. So we'll, I don't he's expect to get tested. Yeah, he's going to get tested early, but, you know, I think this is his opportunity. I hope he, you know, takes advantage of it. Um, you know, I, I think that he he deserves to be that starter in Chicago. You know, and I think Bears fans are saying, finally, our prayers are answered. Well, they're, they're getting what they want. I right. just hope it works out. You know, I was okay with him playing behind Andy Dalton for another – for his first year. I'd have been okay if he'd have – if he'd have sat the whole year, but and I, I think he would have if Dalton Dalton did get a knee injury last week. Uh, that's uh, when yeah, Fields came yeah. on in relief. Right, and, and Fields has got some work to do. He only went six for thirteen for sixty yards, no touchdowns, had an interception. He rushed ten times for thirty-one yards and had a fumble. That's that's almost that those two turnovers are almost as many as he had in his entire career at Ohio State. Right, mm -hmm. so he's got some work to do to be that that starter. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, I think working together with the starters yeah, will help him a lot. I think so. yeah, right. getting some reps just with get, that first yeah, team, just getting some opportunities. Yeah. I mean, that I think is the biggest thing. I mean, there's only so much you can do or see in practice. Yeah. You 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 got to be you know game speed, game time, you know type action to really get a feel for the offense and you know get a feel for the players and, you know, your, your other teammates. So, you know, and those defensive ends in Cleveland aren't going to, they ain't going to show them any mercy. Yep. That's no. for sure. So, yep. Yep. all right. Well, very good. I think we're going to come at you again next week on a Wednesday night. Um, we're going to maybe get into some baseball next week since the regular season will be almost to an end. And, you know, a lot of the races will be decided by then. So we're going to come at you with some baseball next week. And I'm sure Colton will pick out some other great topics for us. And, uh, 
So, Colton, you want to sign us out? Yes, sir. Um, you know, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cal, Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. Uh, we, you know, hope you enjoyed our episode this this week. Um, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or just to have a burning sports question, you know, feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram. Our our handle is at Fired Up underscore podcast, or you can find us on Facebook if you search for Fired Up comma Sports Podcast. Um, or you can always head over to our, our website, which is firedup1.podbean.com to check out all of our past episodes and links to important information about the show. Um, you know, like Dad said, we'll be coming to you live again, you know, next Wednesday. And, um, you know, we hope you hope you tune in. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.